Thank you for listening to our inaugural Employment Practices Solutions podcast. I'm Lisa Baer, and we hope that this podcast and future podcasts will allow you, our listeners, to have an opportunity to dig a bit deeper into the subjects of our monthly newsletters and hear directly from the writers, our EPS attorney consultants. Today, we're going to dig into the article written by my colleague, Jill Holtzman, on the ADA, accommodation, and the interactive process. Jill is a consultant with EPS in our Northeastern region, specifically the New Jersey Tri-State area. Jill has spent the majority of her career in employee relations in the insurance and financial services industries, where she did training, investigations, policy development and implementation, and EEOC charge responses. Jill has a BA in sociology from Tufts and her law degree from Hofstra University, where she was a member of the Disability Rights Clinic. Welcome, Jill. Welcome, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining me today. Jill, the ADA can be an intimidating piece of legislation for employers to contend with. So what drew you to the subject of the ADA and reasonable accommodation for purposes of this article? Well, I've been interested in the ADA for a long time now. What drew me to it was really, as you mentioned earlier, the disability rights clinic that I did when I was in law school. Uh, We worked on an actual case that went to the Second Circuit um, and was decided decided by now Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor. Um, And the case involved a young woman who needed extra time to take the bar exam um, because of her disability. At the time, the ADA was new. Uh, There wasn't a lot of case law on it. We ended up losing the case, unfortunately, but fortunately, she ended up passing the bar exam, um, which at the end of the day was really all that mattered. But that taste of the disability rights clinic and being in a second circuit courtroom and and getting to work on an actual case really sparked my interest. Jill, I mean, that's interesting that you lost the case and yet she succeeded in passing the bar exam. That sort of leads to my second question. What were the biggest pitfalls perhaps that you saw in that case in particular and maybe employers in general struggle with when it comes to the interactive process and accommodation? I think with respect to that case, um, the biggest hurdle was uh, the statute being so new, not a lot of uh, cases, not a lot of understanding about the interactive process. It's it's a for me, it's a strangely written statute, or it's got this strange little piece to it where it's talking about or insisting that employers and employees talk to each other about some really delicate situations. And I think that's a very difficult thing to do. I think it's still a very difficult thing to do, which is why we're still talking about the interactive process many years later. Right. Were there, uh, was that one of the specific pitfalls of your case? No, this, the, the pitfalls in my case were really that uh, really revolved more around the definition of disability than the interactive process. Um, right. But since then, you know, I've seen many, many cases on the interactive process and also 
working in employee relations for such a long period of time for employers, I've certainly seen the interactive process from that perspective many, many times. That leads me to my third question. Given all of that breadth of experience, is there one takeaway that you think employers need to uh, understand when it comes to the interactive process as it relates to the ADA? Well, I think there's a few. I I mean, I would say the first one is um, obviously a better understanding of the ADA, the interactive process, and what constitutes a request for a reasonable accommodation. I think that's one of the hardest parts. You know, a lot of employers will sit around and wait for an employee to come to them and say, hi, under the ADA, I'd like to start the interactive process, uh, and I'm requesting a reasonable accommodation. And it just doesn't work that way. Uh, Employees request reasonable accommodations in all kinds of different ways. And I think employers need to be aware of when a request is coming in, even if it's not using the language they might think that an employee should use. And then once that happens, you know, it's really upon the employer to start engaging in that process. And like I said, it can be difficult. You're talking about touchy subjects, but you really need to be able to be comfortable engaging and talking is key for employers, for uh, specifically for managers and supervisors, because that's the level where the requests are going to come in. So it's wonderful for your HR partners to know, but it's also really important for your supervisors and managers because they're on the front line. They're the ones that are really going to get the requests coming in. And again, they're not always going to come in with the type of language that we would expect, such as, you know, hi, I need a reasonable accommodation. Exactly, exactly. I think that's a terrific insight. Jill, thank you, and thank you to our listeners for joining us today. You can find a link to the article, more about Jill, more about EPS services at our website, epspros.com. That's E-P-S-P-R-O-S dot com. And you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. We'd love to hear your feedback on our conversation today and the article. We'd love to better understand your challenges with the ADA accommodation and the interactive process or any other employment practices challenges you might be facing. And we hope you'll join us on upcoming podcasts. Thanks again.